Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host as always and joining me this week is the tactical brain, the man with a brain the size of something very, very large indeed, maybe the gap between us in second place, it's Adam Thornton. Hello Adam. I'm not sure it's that big David, but thank you. It's a Hello. pretty big gap. Yeah, that's true, that is. Uh, um, I mean, uh... You do like to say I'm a spud and I've got a very big brain, but that's just taking the piss, I think. Not, there's not very many things in the world that are big enough than that gap, to be honest. Nope, nope. Canyons are, are smaller than, than the gap between first and second this season as Rangers went 18 points clear yesterday. Started the day off needing 13 more points to win the title. Ended it needing seven as Rangers racked up yet another victory. Uh, another big win as well. Nice to see his back scoring goals after a few 1-0s, although you get the same three points for a 1-0 as you get for a 4-1. But even so, it was good to see his playing a bit of football again and uh, making things happen in the attacking third. And of course, Celtic went and lost to Ross County. But we'll start with Rangers because, Adam, I saw a stat yesterday by one of you know your brethren, the stats people, um, I've got a vision of you all living together in caves somewhere, coming out with whiteboards and showing each other these things. But uh, they, it said that Celtic can still achieve the same points total that they got in their eight and nine in a row season, or their seven, eight, nine in a row seasons. That this isn't a case of Celtic dropping by a million miles. They've obviously dropped some, but this is a case of Steven Gerrard's Rangers team project whatever term you want to call it growing up maturing and then just blowing everything out of the water yeah absolutely looking at their looking at their losses up until St Mirren last month it was only Rangers that had beaten them in the two games obviously that's now four um the the draws are are probably killing them a little bit this season um I don't think they're not far off double figures um I would imagine on those but 
yeah, I think it's a slight uh, regression. You, you would fancy that that is one of those stats that's kind of misleading because that's going to be based on them winning every game, I would imagine, and we know that's very, very unlikely. So um, I would guess by the time we get to the end of the season they won't hit those targets, but with eight games to go, um, for that still to be possible certainly does speak to, while the mood music around it and how they've managed to rack up some wins uh, is slightly different. Um, we can't take anything away from how well we've done uh, keeping ourselves 10 plus points ahead since October, I would guess. Um, yeah. Really impressive on that side and it just makes their season look even worse, which I'm absolutely here for. Yeah, oh, definitely. But I, I think that long-term listeners to the podcast will know that, that years ago, when you know, five years ago, when Rangers were, were really struggling, we always said we'd be intrigued to see what would happen if we could put Celtic under sustained pressure. And that meant post-Christmas, you know, that, that meant keeping it going and not giving any indication of that they just had to hang on in there because we would burst. Um, and we've seen what's happened this season with that, that Rangers have managed to do that. And, and I think it did dawn on them very early in the season that, oh, hang on a minute here. They're not going to give us a free pass this year. We're going to have to earn it. And I think that that pressure did did get to them. But let's go back to Ibrox Sunday afternoon, Rangers taking on Dundee United. First things first, not a phrase I use that often, but a little bit of praise for Dundee United, Adam. They came to Ibrox, they played two up front. They're not going down. Um, they're maybe going to finish in the top six but more likely they're not uh, and they came and they had a go and yeah, fair dues because okay you might argue well they've come away with a 4-1 whereas Kilmarnock came away with a 1-0 but I would argue that the United in the opening 20 minutes had they not come up against the human brick wall that is Alan McGregor might have taken the lead and then you've got a totally different game so I would argue that yeah 4-1 but they came closer to getting something out of Ibrox believe it or not I think than Kilmarnock or Motherwell or a team who on paper got a better closer result they still ended up with nothing whereas at least United I think could take some positives from that match yesterday yeah, it was kind of similar to the first fixture um, against them in August, September, uh, where where they came and had a go. Um, I'm, I'm led to believe that very shortly after that, they kind of reverted uh, back to a more defensive style and tried to make themselves a wee bit harder to beat. But it seems like they've, they've flipped again. Uh, and I thought, yeah, that opening 20, 25 minutes, um, they were really impressive. We were cut open once or twice, which you never really like to see. There's a couple of decent saves for, for McGregor, but um, yeah, it, certainly I think Celtic are the, the unofficial 20, opening 25 minutes trophy holders at, at Parkhead at Ibrox this season <laughs> without actually winning a game, but they certainly came they certainly came very close in terms of the, the number of chances. I think I counted three or four in that 20 or 25 minutes. I don't know if it's just where we're at with the season or anything, David, but it wasn't causing me any major anguish um there is just this general perception now that we're we're in the the mid 90s and and mcgregor is, is channeling andy gorham and he might make a couple of saves in the game um we might end up drawing a game as we've seen against hamilton but generally um if something happens we've got enough to do anything really at this stage so i wasn't exactly terrified by the start especially given the exertions on on thursday night um, but after that first 25 minutes, the manager actually mentioned after the game, I thought that was quite interesting, it was in the Rangers TV interview, 
uh, as opposed to to your press one. But he mentioned that they caused a good bit of problems, and it was clear that their tactic was to come and have Clark and or uh, a pair sit on Davis and and try to um, block or, or build up play that way. Obviously, trying to get us out to Balligan as opposed to to Tavernier and see if that caused an impact. And he actually said something I really enjoyed was the players figured out how to how to fix that problem on the pitch before the management team were able to get the, the information through to them, which I really liked. So the players tweaked that a little bit. Balligan stayed a little bit deeper. Um, Aribo, we've seen in the early exchanges, started going over to the right, right-hand side to try and get a wee bit of um, a wee bit of impact over there we had you. So I really liked that. It was interesting that although they did start well with Dundee United, the players solved that problem themselves and got themselves um, way ahead in the game. Yeah, I thought it was something that we might need to to deal with throughout the match. Not specifically that, but more the fact that they're in the habit of turning and there's James Tavernier. And you know what he's going to be and you know that he'll get up and down the wing. And, and he is involved in so much of our play. And it's not really fair to ask Leon Balligan to do the same job because he's not that type of player. He, he, he doesn't have the same skill set. I thought he filled in you know, quite well and, and, and adequately, but it's a sticking plaster, you know, it wouldn't be a long-term solution. I think people um, realise that, but as you say, I think the players, after almost autopilot <laughs> in the first 20 minutes or so, as you say, sort of went, right, okay, this isn't going to quite work. We we have a tab-shaped hole over there um, and we're going to need to, we're going to need to adapt to that. Alan McGregor, though, that's, why a Rangers goalkeeper, I think, is a separate breed. Certain clubs um, have this type of goalkeeper, uh, a Bayern Munich, uh, Juventus, teams that are not necessarily going to have shots rained in on them. But you've got to be alive to make the big saves when it matters. And the one from Shanklin in particular, I thought, was was top-class goalkeeping. Yeah, it was. That's a couple of times Shankland has has had chances against us in the in the few games, and he he hasn't um, managed to put one away. Um, but yeah, time and again, um, I seen him get a little bit of criticism on Thursday night, which I thought was a, a little bit strange. I didn't think he was particularly at, at fault for for any of the goals. Quite the opposite. So um, it was good to see um, him doing what he does for us uh, in the early exchanges in this game. And I thought, um, yeah, we talk about and Aribo's going to get all the the plaudits from the game in terms of the goals etc but McGregor keeps us in the the early uh, 20 minutes or so because it could technically it could have been one or two nil down definitely in that stage so he keeps us in it um and and we go on to give it gives us a platform as he does so often yeah and from that platform we couldn't really get anything going in that opening 20 minutes and as you say the team figured out that they had to move the pieces in the board a little bit and then began to get the grip in the midfield area Ryan Jack went off injured uh, Glenn Kamara came on. I thought he added uh, quite a bit into the midfield as well. But it was Joe Aribo for me that really was the the spark, if you like, that got Rangers going and got us onto the front foot and began to just push at the United side that was beginning, I thought, to think, oh, this could be our day. It just got them pushed back into their, into their own box for the first time, really, in the match. And then from there, Rangers would go and get the goal. He's very much involved in it. Lovely little finish from Yanis Hadji. Probably won't get a lot of credit for that, but it is deliberate. It doesn't just hit off him and he doesn't just wave a foot at it. He opens his foot up and it's a very deliberate deflection that, that does take it past the goalkeeper. The thing I liked about this is, is probably, this probably sums me up rather than, than anything else, was was that that's a great little finish from Hadji. You're right, the reactions for that. Um, 
um, being aware that that shot is a bit of a trundler and it's maybe not going to trouble the goalkeeper and just to stick a leg out and see if he can divert it. But Aribo on the right-hand side of the box. Now, OK, the manager mentioned he can play left-sided central midfield, right-sided central midfield, left-forward, right-forward, whatever we're calling them this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was left-sided central midfielder and we know how structured that role is when, when Kamara plays it. So he, he was in there to provide support to Barisic and Kent on that side. Um, but he spent certainly the, the first half hour over on that right-hand side with Hadji, and that's where he where he picked up the ball and, and um, created that chance for him. Remember the earlier chance as well that he, he slipped in for, I can't remember who it was, but he completely outstripped the Dundee United left-back for pace around the corner on that far side um, and cut the ball back. So he was out there a lot. So I really like the fact that in these type of games against teams that um, are bottom six, if you like, or, or just on that borderline. Well, they um, are. I mean, it's not being disrespectful. They are. It's good It's good that we have that flexibility within the team to still maintain the defensive structure, but allow players like Aribo the, the freedom to roam. And these are the games that you need him and Hadji. We've spoken about that so often on, on the pod. It, it's great. We've got a, a team that performs really well in Europe, but you need the guys like Aribo and Hadji who are going to give you that magic. Uh, in the game, in these type of games, it's not a, a disservice to them. It's stuffy defences. You've had a big midweek. Um, you you need these players to to stand up, and I was delighted that not only did he do it, but that Hadji managed to to get the goal as well. Bit of luck with the second Ryan Kemp with the deflected shot. Manager spoke about it the other week, though. You know, we got that absolute world day from from Ryan Jack, and he said, you know, he's encouraging them to shoot more from outside the box. Janis Hadji got the one against St Johnston as well. Um, bit of luck but you take it and it's the old cliche about you know buy a ticket for the for the raffle you might win um it comes off the defense but that that can happen when you've got that many defenders in the box yeah absolutely i'm, I'm all for that i know we you might think in terms of what we do on on tactics talk that i maybe wanted to pass the ball into the net i love a, a long range goal i'm always for it just hit it it's, it's brilliant Maybe not when Ryan Christie does it to that extent, but but, but certainly for for us as far as Kent and our four hundred shots Kent and, all in the North Sea. You mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, from from Parkhead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as far as like Kent Aribo and Hadji go, I think they can be a little bit too intricate sometimes. Aribo, especially, wants to take that extra touch, wants to do that fifteen step over and beat the man again. Um, and I'm sure we'll come on to um, an example of what he does when he doesn't do that um, in the second half. And I think that's just key. If there is a pack defence and you're not getting through, it's not a bad thing. Just have a go from outside the box. And like you said, um, both of those shots were half chances, low quality if we're talking um, expected goals. But sometimes, like you said, you, you need to gamble on it. Yeah, and it, and it came off. 2-0, the game was done. And... What I, I found quite interesting was even at 1-0, I think teams who start well against us can go one of two ways, particularly at Ibrox. One is that they, they gain in confidence from that. And the other is what I think United did, which was we're going to regret those missed chances. And as soon as Rangers put them on the back foot, I thought you could sort of sense a sea change from Dundee United. Uh, just the way their players were talking to each other even. I thought it... it that you could sense that they thought we'd blown this a little bit. And when we got the goal, it was almost like confirmation bias for them that they were, I knew that was going to, you know, <laughs> I knew we were going to fuck it up uh, as soon as we missed those chances. Uh, and at 2 0, it just felt completely done and dusty. But I was impressed with the way Rangers came out the second half and didn't think we've had a tough game Thursday with a tough game coming out. They, they went for it, ran into the 4 0 lead, and, and then 
maybe did relax and concede um, towards the end, which is is obviously not uh, fantastic and led to a very pissed off Alan McGregor. But the they could have made it more difficult for themselves than they did. And I think that's been a hallmark of the side this season, Adam. On a sort of larger thing, one of the themes of this season for me is there have been a lot of occasions when this Rangers team could have made a mess of things. They have been given the opportunity to make a mess of things and they don't. Yeah, I was I was annoyed at that goal as well, but really because I'm I'm quite obsessed with a single figure goal difference against. I really wanted to see that, given that we're at, we're at nine now. Um, goals against, sorry, I'm not really sure it's going to happen. It's probably unrealistic for us not to concede in the next eight games. So that was I was annoyed about that because I'm thinking that would be a, a brilliant record to get. That's the stage we're at now. We want goals against records. We know we won the league. We know we've done this. We know we're going to go unbeaten, but we want the goals against record. I think you're right. Um, we've been playing about with a, a theory. I think the last Tactics Top Pod that, that me and Ali did was around the fact that since... Um, the last Dundee United game, actually, uh, at, at Tanadice, Rangers have scored less goals. Um, it's a fact. I think it was halved from memory in terms of the the goals that have been scored. Quality of chances are not as as high as they were, uh, and we mentioned that on the pod. That usually, when you're talking about it like that, and you're maybe looking at a statistical model, you think, okay, there's going to be a, a bump in the road coming soon, and the results aren't going to match up. But it's never really felt that way. It's actually been so impressive to to see that we blew teams away for that four months. I think it was three and a bit goals per game was was the average, and that's maybe down to like 1.5, 1.6 now. Um, but the theory that we had that we were playing about as a possible was Dundee United away was right after Europe finished, um, and that was a pretty intensive four months. Um, we then knew we had, I don't know how many games it is, David, 12, 15 games in a row in the league. Obviously, St Mirren and the Cup aside, um, through winter, through pitches, through all that sort of stuff, through lots of injuries, etc. Um, and we did wonder whether the team were just doing enough is a, is a really um, disrespectful thing, I think, to other teams. But just playing at a level that they knew they were going to get the job done um, for that 12-15 game spell. Um, and again, I mentioned on Twitter, I think it was to you and, and maybe um, a couple other guys, that now that that was done and Europe was back. This team raises our standards in Europe and I think we would see an upturn in not necessarily performances, but certainly an upturn in attacking display. And I think four goals away in Belgium and, and four goals on on the weekend there certainly reinforces that. It, it seems like we need that buzz of uh, Thursday, Sunday football. Mm. We need the European stage. The manager mentioned as well that on Thursday, the, the uptick in terms of what you need to do in Europe is so much more that when the players are back up at that level, it's only natural that that will seep into performances. I remember we used to get really worried about the players coming back and having a hangover from Europe in the recovery time and, and we might start games sluggishly. Um, it's the opposite now. It feels like we need that and we feed off that. We've got through the winter. I think everybody listening will think they've got through the winter and we see sunny days ahead. Um, and maybe it's just what the team have done as well. They've dug in over winter and won the league um, in that period. Um, and now it's uh, it's goal time and it's goals galore, hopefully. Yeah, I think that there is something in that. And it's not new that you do go through this period in Scotland where you start the season and the sun's shining, the pitches are good. Uh, and Rangers, well, quite often, Celtic as well, unfortunately, over the last few years, will be battering teams and playing some great stuff and everything's hunky-dory. And then you go into winter, conditions are rotten, teams are battling for their lives, so they tend to 
string, you know, a lot of men across the defence. Uh, conditions help that because they'll try to break up good attacking football. And it's about, well, can you come through this? Can you get the wins when you're not firing, when, when conditions aren't optimal? And we couldn't. And that's why we haven't won titles. We couldn't do that. We needed the conditions to be to be in our favour. Things had to be going well for us to be at our best. And this season, that hasn't been the case. Rangers have, have gutted it out. They've got over the line when they've needed to. And now, um, you know, when, when things do get a bit better, with the possible exception of pitches, there seems to be a UK-wide issue this season with pitches. Um, the, the one at Ibrox yesterday was baldier than me and uh, suitable only for pigeon grazing for large part. What was with those pigeons, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was so weird that I was watching Rangers TV. It kind of felt like they were superimposed at points because the camera <laughs> juddered a little bit um, and Kevin Thompson kept mentioning them, but the fact that it was such a cluster of them was, was yeah, hilarious. And they were not leaving. I mean, they, they didn't matter. Players could run through them. They would fly away and sit somewhere else. They were like, nope, that's their pitch. And to be fair, I suppose, if they live there, you know, through the week, probably a bit miffed that, that folk are turning up on a Sunday or just try to chill on a Sunday afternoon, you know, watch a pigeon equivalent of Songs of Praise and suddenly they've got all these guys charging about. But yeah, it was a wee bit disconcerting that they they kept flying about. But uh, yeah, they, look, the pitches are going to be like this. It's one, the weather, and two, the fact that they've not really had a chance to recover, um, which we've seen in the past. Uh, you're seeing it all over the UK. It certainly isn't even just a Scottish thing this season. Joe Aribo did get that goal that you were talking about earlier. Um, said afterwards he's been practising, as he put it, just putting the laces through it. Uh, that was like George Alberts. If, if, if you can do that, Joe, could you do it a wee bit more often or try it a wee bit more often? Because, my God, you could have had two keepers in there. They weren't stopping that one. It was a, a cracker. I love that when he just he just slides across the goalkeeper and it goes. And I actually didn't realise until I watched the watched it back again this morning. It, it it's very very close to off the post and in, which uh, is one of my favourite finishes. It just hits the side net. Um, but yeah, the fact that there was no backlift as well, he's not had any um, opportunity to get much power in it. Um, that's a decent goalkeeper as well, but he had absolutely zero chance. It was a brilliant hit. Well, the goalkeeper was determined to make you look like a fool then a few minutes later when he had a quick, no. game, quick game of Wally uh, with uh, Alfredo Morelos and smashed it. I did like this goal, one, because it was funny, but two, it's not a fluke, in, well, in a way it is, but we're 3-0 up and Alfredo is still running in and putting pressure on the goalkeeper and he gets his reward. He's there for it to hit off him and go in and... There, there must be a temptation at 3-0 up to not bother your arse with that, to think, I won't make this run. But he did. And, OK, the goalie's made a mistake, great. But if you're not there to capitalise on it, then it's not a mistake. It, it, things are going perfectly well for the goalkeeper. And that's why I like that goal. We we tend to focus on the error rather than think, well, actually, he's he's done pretty well there. Yeah, he definitely clocked the full warming up on the sidelines, didn't he? I thought, I'm just going to try and hammer myself and get this ball and, and see what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he deserved it. I love the fact that he'll, he'll celebrate any kind of goal like it's a 30-yard. <laughs> I love ever. that. That's a striker, right? One of my pet hates are strikers who hit set, you know, hit corners, right? Don't, don't do that. Right, you shouldn't ever want to not be in the box, and you're you're spot on. Didn't matter, Alfie. It could be a thirty yarder. It could be in Europe. It could be the fifth in a five 0 win in the League Cup against Aloha. It doesn't bother him. A goal's a goal. That's a striker. 
Loves it. Uh, yeah, I was I was the same as you. The four on the sidelines as well. He goes up cheering and it's literally like they've won they've won the league in that particular moment. He's he's absolutely over the moon about it. You're right, he needs to gamble. Um and he needs to get that. Well, there was a lot of that in terms of our, our pressure, forcing forcing mistakes. Maybe not something um that we've seen a bit uh, over the last month or so. Tempo um probably linked to, to pressing there. Um but closing down the goalkeeper inexplicable decision from him to try and lob it back over Morelos to um, the right back rather than just rolling it out to, to the left back but no complaints here and, and as we said no complaints at all from Morelos and he won a, uh, a penalty not long after which uh, Borna I don't know whether it's just me but I, I I can read left side I think I can read left sided players a lot better than I can read right sided players when it comes to penalties they always, and... they always go to that side well, it, it it does seem a body shape thing. I don't know, but uh, the goalie certainly read it and made the stop. Uh, I, I dare say, though, if, if we could have picked which penalty out the three Borna missed this week, it probably would have been that one. The manager did say he expected Borna to, to want to be on them moving forward. Um, said he wasn't short of volunteers, though. Um, he said Jermaine Defoe was raging that he, he was too late on the park to get to it. Uh, had he been on a couple of minutes earlier... Uh, he would have certainly grabbed that ball. But, uh, yeah, considering the late one, bit of slackness there. Um, welcome to Ibrox from Jack Simpson. You make your debut and everybody's, hey, Jack Simpson. And then could have done a wee bit better at the goal and suddenly everybody's like, hmm, um, that's Rangers, son. You'll need to get used to it, even at 4-0 up. Yeah, he was a wee bit slack. Obviously, we'll, we'll give him some slack as well, given the, the game that he's come into. It's his first, uh, first appearance. But, yeah, maybe just a wee bit... Um, hesitant, lets it run across from doesn't make a necessarily challenge, but yeah, we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there, uh, and it's a, it's a consolation, it's a really good finish as well, it's, it's I would imagine, I don't know what foot McNulty shoots with, I would imagine that's his, his weaker side as well, and to curl that in the corner from, from there uh, is a decent finish as well, to be honest. That sounded like a metaphor there, but it really wasn't, he was just genuinely wondering um, which was his stronger foot, folks, just before anybody complains to Ofcom about us on that one, uh, the, 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 it, it was as intended, but uh, yeah, great one, solid victory, nice to see a few goals, nice to go into the last 20 minutes you know, with, it, with it done, and the only real issue I suppose coming out of it was another injury, uh, this time to Ryan Jack, but the manager did say that he's hopeful that they've caught it before it became an injury but the good news Adam and certainly for you as a, as a tab obsessive was the fact that the manager says he's expecting both James Tavernier and Kamar Ruth back in two to three weeks which given how it looked the other night I think all of us would have gladly accepted that oh yeah 100% so going by the going by the calendar the there's maybe you know we know he recovers quite quickly from these things I think he didn't I don't know what the injury was last January um but he recovered from that really quickly there's possibly an argument he came back a little bit too soon from that one given what was going on in terms of uh Rangers performances but we would hope uh, he's got an outside chance of coming back for the St Mirren game I would have thought if not it will be um the, the game after that which is obviously uh, after the, the international break pending any European games so um if things go the way that we hope over the next couple of weeks and, and we end up with Rangers St Mirren well is that the way we hope it I guess I'm not I'm not sure people will probably want to want to claim it at Parkhead but if we expect Celtic to drop points um in the next couple of games it could be claimed against St Mirren so you'd really want them back for that game at some point wouldn't you? Uh, if we could win against St Mirren I want him on the bench even if he needs helped onto the park to come on in the last few minutes yes absolutely I think the guy has has very much earned that and I would love to see that but look we can't control 
things out with uh, our our sphere of influence. We we'd done our job, and then I think, firstly, incidentally, it's funny because it's them, but I'm not mad keen on seven thirty on a Sunday being a precedent for a kickoff time, Adam. No, he said we can't control outside our sphere of influence. I think if we could control this, we probably still wouldn't have been able to do it as as badly as, as Celtic have uh, this True. season, which is uh, which is quite funny. But yeah, I, I'm not not a huge fan of it at all. It's funny see when it's a see when it's a game you're not invested in, like a an English game or or a Serie A game or whatever. I just wouldn't think twice about that fixture. But see if Rangers are playing at half seven on a Sunday, I'd be like, no way. What is this? Get it away. Um, um, especially when when. You know, hopefully we're moving towards crowds coming back. Then, you know, seven thirty to to travel to Dingwall, and I get that that wasn't a factor right now. I, I do, I get that, but even so, like I say, it's funny because it's them because they had to wait all weekend to then watch their team lose to Ross County. So that was great, and it, it added a wee extra buzz on a Sunday night for us. But I, I wouldn't want to see in the future it become a regular thing because it's just it's not as you say what you're fine to watch arsenal brighton or whatever on a sunday night but for me uh, uh funny enough i'd watched the english game that was on at the time and it was a 7 p.m kickoff so it finished a bit early and i turned over i thought might as well watch you know i'm sure they'll go on and win it and they were rotten they were really really bad and you know thoroughly deserved great to see jordan white a bear um, pop up with the winner. He he enjoyed that fair bit. I think it's fair to say um, when he scored that goal. And listen, you and I put on the X on the line when Celtic signed Diego Laxal. Adam and I did an Italian football show on Heart and Hand on Patreon, and we watch a fair bit of Italian football. So we we were very au fait with with Diego Laxal, and genuinely no joking. We said this at the time. He was a joke figure on our show because he was so bad and to us he really represented Milan's decline over the last 10 years that this guy had got a regular start for them I was genuinely surprised when they signed him I was even more surprised the way they tried to kid themselves on that he was a good player he's fucking rotten yeah I think we said okay okay defensively but just can't attack at all he's just he's just not got it he's a, he's a wing back in Serie A which is a completely different concept to playing as a as a left back or a wing back in in uh, in Scotland, so it doesn't work on that level at all. He's he's he, he can't cross the ball <laughs> like it, it's it's impossible. The the game that we played against him at, at Ibrox, I don't think he I think he had like fifteen crosses and didn't complete one of them. He, he can't do That's it. Right. Um, and I, I took great delight in watching the sports scene last night and watching Michael Stewart try to to analyse him, and he pretty much said the same. Like he wants to go in on the underlap every time you get him on the outside and he crosses the ball at the park. He, he he can't do it. He's got a lot of industry, and obviously he made that world famous fifteen tackles in one 15. game that they got that they got beat, which they lost. Yeah, I think it was four. Yeah, I think I think fifteen tackles is is more important than four goals conceded, as far as the the commentators were were concerned. There, it seemed to be of more value, which was was nice for them. Well, it's um, the, the treble that they're going for. They played well for an hour at Ibrox Trophy, the most tackles in a defeat trophy, and uh, we pure made loads of chances tonight trophy. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think he can't, he can't defend. Um, he's not going to be on a, an insignificant amount of money. Um, playing for AC Milan uh, and coming to Celtic on loan, uh, I'm not sure about loan fees or anything with it as well. But um, just another example of the shit show across the road, really, in terms of deifying him. Sutton and a lot were saying what a player he is. He's this and he's that. And he wasn't doing anything. It's like they just have to hang their hat on something. He, he was fine. Emerson he Heinemann syndrome. That yeah. when things are so shite, that if somebody turns up and is not shite, 
that's all. You know, not great, not good, but just not shite. You go, wow! Um, and you're desperate for him to be a success, and, and it just hasn't been the case. I used to get a lot of flack on, on Twitter for, for comparing Tavernier to Tierney at the time that Tavernier wasn't as, as good as he is now and, and Tierney was obviously um, the best fullback in the league I think at that time it was it was fair to say there wasn't much competition and I would always say well look at the look at the output offensively uh, and at the time the overall output of Celtic was so much better that it was maybe a wee bit of a, a misconception but if you look at it in, in basic terms when you're playing a 4-4-2 diamond the only width that you get are from your fullbacks so they've got Laxalt on one side and John Joe Kenny on the other side I don't think they've got two assists between them this year, never mind goals. That's your main source of creativity on the flanks and they can't cross the ball or, and they can't score goals. It, it, it's a big issue for them. It's why we've got the opposite. We've got such a, it's sometimes our only source of creativity, but that's fine because they've got about, I don't know, fucking 50 goals and assists between them this season. <laughs> like, that's that's the point. That's why they're there. So it's a very valid observation to say, okay, he's a fullback and yes, apparently he's, their primary objectives are they should be able to defend first, but when they're the main source of creativity wide and they play the way that Laxalt plays, I don't know what you're expecting. On that, and just you know, moving the conversation on, much as it is funny to sit and laugh at them, and please feel free to do so, folks. We'll certainly be doing it uh, uh, plenty over the next few months. Uh, and I do mean months, folks. Uh, if you're one of those Celtic fans who listens into this, oh, you have no idea what you're in for. But um, on that, you know, it has been one of the things about Rangers play. Um, I'm, I think we're you know pretty famous for our, our fullback play and what they deliver and, and the link-up that they have with the, the guys in front of them. But you mentioned there that, that old argument, if you like, of whether or not a fullback's primary job these days is defending or is there more to it than that? And I, I, I had always classed myself in the, well, actually, no, it's, you know, defend first and then we'll talk about what you can do going forward. But old man shouting at Cloud, I, I've sort of come around to, it's maybe a third of it now. You know, it's still a part, but I'm just not sure it is the majority. And this is not just Rangers related. When I watch games from all around Europe, you know, Liverpool are another example of it, that I do wonder if managers will put up with a little bit less defensive solidity if they trust their centre-backs and their defensive midfielders for guys who can do what Tav and Borna Barisic do do for us. Yeah, it's the, it's the risk versus reward thing. They'll look at it and they'll think um, there will be weaknesses behind the, the fullbacks. I think 90% of our goals scored have came from crosses in from, from fullback areas or, or taking advantage of space behind the fullbacks. That's a fact. That's that's a known issue. Um, there's going to be a flaw in the Vista, if you like. Um, and it's the risk and reward of it. You, you look at it and you think, OK, well, how many opportunities our opposition team is going to get within a game uh, down those flanks? I don't know, three or four. OK, um, how good are our centre-backs that if a cross comes into the box, if are they going to be able to, to to clear it away? And it's that subsection that you're thinking, OK, so there might be one chance a game. However, on the flip side, if I have uh, Borna Barisic and, and Tavernier rampaging forward every game, they might contribute two goals a game rather than potentially one chance because they're so it's just that balancing act I think it's really 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 pronounced in our team um, but I think that's because we've got those two players we, we've built the team to to do that we've got Jack mm. we've got Kamara who, who cover in there um, got Golson and Hellander who are comfortable in possession and can go out and cover as well um, I think it's testament that we don't really see, we don't really hear too much of there's Tavernier or there's Barris who's caught out of position again and we've been done on the counter we don't really hear that anymore and it's because it's a team effort and we've built the team in a way that gives us that 
defensive solidity, but we're still able to get them forward. They're not wing backs. They don't play as wing backs. Their, their position isn't their starting position isn't as a wing back. So in effect, Celtic's players when they play that three at the back, their wing backs actually start further forward than ours. They're, they're full backs who get forward ridiculously high. So um, it's it's really testament to the to the management team that they've recognised that opportunity there and they've built the rest of the team around it. And yes, there will be moments where we get caught. Um, you think Hamilton away, we got done by by Davis covering down the down the flanks when Tavernier was was up the park. Those are known issues. I'm sure the management team see that. But for me, it's the it's the risk reward part of it. Yeah, it's just interesting the way that the game evolves. Um, I'm sure that there were people 50 years ago going, "What do you mean they're, they're not playing two, three, five? You know, it, it just it's football changes yeah. and and you positions adapt over the years um defensive midfielder i think's probably been the biggest one you know 25 years ago it was the water carrier famously that was what <laughs> eric mm-hmm. Cantona described the uh, day Deschamps as whereas now teams will spend millions millions on a guy who can do that because you really notice if a team don't have an effective one and i guess the flip side of that is we're possibly seeing the the death of a central midfielder in the sense that that we would see like a gaza or someone like that um, because of the tactical onus that needs to be on those central midfielders now, you think of us, you think of Liverpool, um, they need to cover laterally. Um, they've maybe not got as much um, opportunity to go and roam forwards. It's more the the next level up, the attacking midfielders that have got that freedom to go and roam. So we're maybe seeing a wee bit of a, a switch there and that the central midfielders for me are a wee bit unloved just now. There's not that many in there that you think um, are those type of, type of maverick geniuses anymore. They're all pretty hardy and solid and shuttlers and they're decent passers and they can they can do a little bit of everything but they're maybe having to take a little bit of a back seat because of this boom of, of fullbacks we've seen over the last what 10, 12 years. Yeah, I mean I think Danny Alves was the first time I noticed and thought right okay you know that Barcelona side and I thought yeah. okay that, this is different and people say play him in right midfield and he would say no don't because then my starting position is totally different and it won't work um, and, and that was the first I thought yeah, there's, there's something going on here okay so we are seven points from the title with eight games in which to get them we're going to um, I think even the most uh, <laughs> you know one game at a time I don't believe it's done at the back of their mind, I think they might be telling themselves that, but I think deep down they they believe it. It would take you know a meteor hitting the planet, I think, to stop us from winning it from here. The Europa League, I think, might prove an excellent thing in terms of keeping the focus because if it was just the league, then it it could run out. You know, it could, and we have this game coming up on Thursday. Now, I'm very very confident. And our ability to, to, to get through you know, European games at a certain level. But 4-3 up away from home. So you've got the away goals. The team need to beat us by two clear goals and or 5-4. And I just, I, I don't see us defending as badly as that two weeks in a row. No. And I think when you um, when you look at that, what you just said there, the team needs to beat us by, by two clear goals. Um Hundred and what we're at now, hundred and fifty-five games for Gerard, and I think it's three times that's happened, three or four mm. times that a team has beaten us by certainly five or less. A team's beaten us by two clear goals. Um, you think of the teams that that we've played. Um, Antwerp did manage to get three goals, which I'm I'm sure was a as a bit of a worry in terms of the the first goal certainly with the, the set pieces and the the space for the the third goal um, in front of the midfield. I'm sure the manager, well, the manager did recognise that that those were issues that they'll resolve. I can't see that happening two games in a row. Um, so 
it's a it's a big task for Antwerp. I think Rangers will be interesting to see how we approach it. Do we go and uh, and try and get the goal early doors? That just makes it an insurmountable task, or or do we feel our way into the game? Um, it's an interesting element is obviously David that we have a free midweek, a uh, free weekend as well. Mm. Um, there that might help us in terms of our our thinking. Um, we like to empty the tank uh, in these type of games so I'm really looking forward to it um, and fingers crossed we can get the result that we need and I think you're right I think if we if we have that here it's going to keep us keep us in focus for the league because um, a game or two and, and it's over really yeah. uh, as far as as far as we're concerned and then it would just be playing out the last five or six games so having that there hopefully we can get through uh, and it gives us a, it gives us a, a nice little um Incentive to, to go and put on our best performances in Europe. Realistically, do you think we are going to see a Scottish Cup this season? I, I've got to admit now, we're, we're going to be into March before the lower leagues are back. I, I, just, I can't see how this is, is feasible. If it was like at the quarters, that's different, but it's it's not. And, you know, the big teams hadn't come in yet. I, I just don't see where the gaps are to play this. Unless... Um... Unless they, I know there would need to be a little bit of shuffling with the league and maybe bringing a few things forward. I think I seen something earlier on that we might have a gap of a, a month between games if if we don't have um, if we don't fill that with the Scottish Cup. So unless they bring the league games forward and then play it as like a little mini tournament, uh, I'm not sure. But obviously the precedent was last season they they moved it, but that was just semi finals and finals, right? It wasn't the the entire thing. So yeah. um, unless they do it as some kind of mini tournament over two weeks or so. Um, it would be interesting, but like you said, it all depends on what happens with the with the lower leagues. If that's something that they can't uh, they can't do, um, then I guess that's that's the most important thing. But for me, um, it's all about league and, and Europa League just now. Get the league tied up as quickly as we can, and hopefully, um, hopefully we get through the Europa and see how see how that goes. What's it going to mean to you when we when we clinch this title? Because uh, last night I I couldn't get to sleep. You know, head was just buzzing, um, and a lot of different thoughts, as as happens, you know, at four in the morning, lying in bed awake, um, a lot of things were, were drifting in, and I, and I realised that for all I talk about it, and for all you know, the the thought I give it, which is a lot, because it's also you know what I do for a living as well as it's my hobby, but I realised that there's a lot of kind of pent up emotion that hasn't came out that is going to. And logically, I can tell myself, right, you know, it's it's going to be this and it's going to be that. But I'm getting these wee sort of things almost bursting through at the moment, just saying, no, actually, this is going to be overwhelming for you personally. And I imagine that will be the same for most Rangers fans. It's uh, it's interesting because I'm kind of the same as you. I'm going to use a word here that I don't really like to use, but it's it's seeping out, I think, rather than rather than an explosion like we think about um 2003 2005 and it literally was a moment of complete euphoria um i think most people um have certainly uh since the since the game at ibrox against celtic i've certainly said and i've said that in a number of pods i thought that was it you look at that game and you think there's, there's no way we're there's no way we're, we're not winning this league or, or it's heavily stacked in our favour. So I've kind of been, there's people that don't want to talk about it until it's, it's complete. I've kind of been emotionally preparing myself for it since then. Um, and then I think that the next benchmark for me was that Hibs away game that everybody pegged on the 26th of January. Um, getting through that and getting through that month in particular um, kind of gave me the belief that the January curse was, was over. So in a way, 
every time we win another game now, I'm almost just like, okay, that's another little bit and another little bit. Um, but I feel like I'm celebrating a little bit every day just now, and it's, it's making me quite happy. I'm, it will be a complete outpouring of, of joy, but it's a very interesting one in terms of the trickle effect of it. Um, when we do finally seal it, it will be an absolute outpouring of joy, but <laughs> it's it, it's been strange in that way because we're used to the drama and we're used to the last minute wins and we're used to going there and coming back but it's been a procession since if you're being really really honest about it and, and flipping it's been a procession a procession since Parkhead really when mm. we've not put a beat wrong um, and they've collapsed we always said on the pod you need a regression from the champion to, to have a decent chance of winning the title we probably haven't needed that this year um, but obviously it would have been a bit closer if um if we had so the two sides of that has has meant that it's it's really came about for me over the last couple of weeks and months that I'm, I've been preparing myself for it, um but I'll still uh, certainly still share a tear when it's uh, when it's official. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the key thing that I can I can tell myself oh uh, you're preparing for this and ah uh, you, you've known this was coming for a while, um but when it happens when it's confirmed my my brain is just telling me look David. Just being honest with you now, mate, you're going to go fucking gaga um, in a great way. You know, an endorphin release that's going to be better than any chemical that that you can imagine. It's just going to be absolutely wonderful. Because you mentioned there about going places and coming back. We went to a place we'd never been before. Um, and therefore, I, I suppose it's not surprising that when we get back from it, we're going to have a newfound appreciation for, for just what it means and just what, what 55 means to, to all of us and even just little things my nephew's 14 um he doesn't know a rangers title winning you know in his conscious age he doesn't he, he doesn't know he was three uh, it, this is new this is exciting and it's that and you just look around and see what it means to to everyone of all generations and uh yep can't wait cannot wait right folks the best place of course um to to spend time and celebrate that with us is on heart and hand on patreon which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand where there are loads of shows and trust me there's going to be an awful lot of shows coming out in the next few months uh dealing with this and you're welcome to come and be a part of it just 199 per month but if not and you just like to continue to listen to us on the free shows that's absolutely wonderful and we appreciate the support my thanks to adam cheers david and uh, our thanks to our producers in London, Mike Myers and well, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. Mike Myers is uh, uh, a much scarier proposition indeed. Thank you for listening to me. Cammy will be back with Extra uh, this week on Friday where he will cover what happened in the match against Antwerp. Uh, I'll be back probably two weeks because we don't have a game next weekend. So there will be a show next week, but I doubt it will be a report because obviously there's no match to talk about. But till then, stay safe, take care and Dream of 55. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.